0: What's happening or how are we? We're back this week. So last week, I put a couple of weeks ago, I put a poll out of everyone would like to see or like to hear on the podcast. And there was loads come back for this guest and I'm glad to have him on. Um, Today we've got uh, Johnny Fisher here, one of the biggest rising
1: stars in British boxing um, right now. John, what's happening, mate? I'm good, George. Thanks for having me on, mate. It's really nice to come down here. Lovely gym. I've walked past a couple of times, but... It's lovely. What a great place to train for people. Yeah, you trained with Harvey for a while, didn't you? Yeah, Harvey was uh, in our gym, and uh, it's great to have him around. I've seen him up here now, uh, really uh, getting involved, and it's good to see. Big weight I'm, difference there, yeah. Yeah, right? little weight <laughs> difference. Don't feel be done too many sparring sessions. he probably ping me about and hit me. I will be able to get near him, so uh, good job.
0: Yeah. How's it all going, John?
1: Yeah, it's good. It's just... Uh, just in, in the middle of training now, training camp, going out to Vegas on Sunday to do a bit of sparring for a couple of weeks. Who will you
0: be, who will you be sparring? Well, I'm out with
1: Joe Joyce. He's going out in for camp, uh, to camp, but uh, he's fighting a southpaw, I think. Uh, not Usyk, but someone else. Um, I can't say who, but um, I'll be out there with Carlos Takem's out there, Michael Hunter's out there, Francis Ngannou's out there. So I can spar a few of them, get nicks and rounds over there. There's always good heavyweights out in Vegas. It's the capital of boxing, isn't it? So yeah. you've got to put yourself in that environment sometimes, I think, when you're preparing. That'd be a great experience, eh? Yeah, it? definitely.
0: John, tell me about your early career. How old were you when you first started boxing?
1: I started boxing I walked into, you remember Ongar? Ongar ABC? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. five. I was five or six years old. Had a few gym shows there with Alan, Alan Bush and all the, all the boys down there. Really enjoyed it. Uh, had loads of gym shows. Boxing until I was about 14, 15 I think I had six junior fights all altogether mm. and about 15, 20 gym shows. Um, and then I had a, a break from boxing. Um, I broke my hand basically playing rugby, didn't know what was wrong with it exactly, but I knew something wasn't right and I, I ended up not getting it fixed. And I went to university and then rugby took over at Exeter University. And uh, I didn't get back into boxing until I was 19 years old and I was sparring Joe Joyce. And then from there, sparred a few other pros, Dave Allen... Uh, now I sparred Tyson Fury, Fabio Wardley, Derek Chisora, Takam and it just sort of from that sparring before all of that it's like they said listen do you want to turn pro? Sam Jones and SJM Boxing at the time said do you want to turn pro and give it a go and now we're here so it's just like I've not fought too far ahead I've just gone one step at a time, take it day by day and just got to keep, that's how I'm going to keep going just keep enjoying every second of it and uh, we'll keep going as far as we can. So when you when you
0: was in the gym and you was training, you was getting you was getting a lot of yeah, a lot of us to go to go with these sparring partners. And when you were sparring these people, did you, you you think I might as well have a go at this, or
1: how was it? Well, what it was, what I thought I can give this boxing a, a proper go because the first guy I sparred was Dave Allen, and it had done six rounds. It's just before he fought Lucas Brown, probably when he was at his best and um, he was in good shape. Went down Darren Barker's gym. It was a gym in Paddington, and uh, we went to. And um, I was just like half training rugby, half training, doing a bit of boxing on the bags at uni. How old was you? I was 19, 19, yeah. And um, I thought, Dave Allen's a hero of mine. I I look up to him, he's he's exciting, he's a character. I went down and sparred him. I'd done six rounds and to be honest, he belted me about a bit, like properly belted me about. Mm. But I didn't go down. I kept coming forward. And Darren Barker, who was his coach at the time, said, unbelievably tough. And then I came out of that spar. Listen, I, I got battered up a little bit. But I knew I've got something in me where I'm not going to quit. And I think that's when I knew the hardest part about boxing is having that will to keep going and the resilience. And I think I proved to myself a little bit there, listen, I can give this boxing a go because all of the skills, all of that stuff, you can learn, you can be taught that. But you've got to have that little bit of grittiness inside you. And I I proved to myself that day that I've got it. So I thought, why not give it a go and see where it ends up?
0: At regular, do do you come against that feeling in boxing when you're sparring
1: weekly? It's not every every spar. Listen, all spars are different. Sometimes you might spar and think, oh, that was, a, that was a pretty easy one. I handled that quite well. But you do get spars every now and then where you go to the well a little bit. Another one was when I sparred Joe Joyce just before the Joe Parker fight, the very last spar he'd done of, of camp. And it was only four rounds. And I was told in the week before, like Joe and his coach Salas were saying, yeah, nice light one on the Friday, like the week before the fight. We'll do a nice light one. And I thought, it doesn't feel right here. And we went back up to the gym at Ellsfield ABC in South London and um, he was like a steam train like Joe Joyce you know he's got an unbelievable engine but for four rounds he just came at me and I was matching him and trying to keep up and keep up and giving back what I could so you do get sessions sometimes when you're sparring that are as hard as fights or even harder than fights but you don't want to do them every single time because longevity is a big thing in boxing and you've got to manage your workload it's not about killing yourself every session every sparring session every pad session you're training every day a couple of times a day so it's about longevity as well, and that's what I've learned as a young what pro. It,
0: what, it t- what did it teach you sparring someone like a Joe Joyce? Because he's an experienced fighter, right? Yeah. He's been about a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was, it's, uh, it's been brilliant, especially from when I sparred him when I was like 18, 19 years old, about 19 I was uh, when I first started. Because, listen, he can obviously, if he wanted to, he could have just taken complete advantage of me. But he's brought me on and developed me. And now we have really competitive spars over six, eight rounds. And it's benefited him as well because he's sort of took me under his wing And now we're really good friends and we can work together and we've got a really good working relationship. So it is hard, but when you've got a good mentor or someone that can bring you on, it's going to benefit them in the long run because, as I said, I sparred him for the Joe Parker fight and I gave him some good, valuable rounds. So uh, it stood him in good stead moving forward. What was it about the boxing game
0: that, that really draws you to it, walking in that gym? As a fighter, as sparring, because it's a tough game, right? It's a, yeah. You know, when you're sparring week in, week out, it's not like you're going to work in a 9 to Mate. 5 job. It's a tough fucking game, you you've know? You've got to
1: be a little bit... in your Mentally, you've got to have something a little bit different about you, I think, to want to do that, because uh, I don't have to do this. I could do something else. I've like got a degree, I could have gone into the... What
0: have you got a degree
1: in? I've got a degree in history from oh, okay. Exeter. And I, was, I was planning on being a barrister. That was what I was going to do, do a, a law conversion course. And when I think about it, I could just, I could have done that. It wouldn't have been easy because that's got its own challenges in itself. But as you said, I don't really have to do this. I'm doing it because I want to do it. Um, a lot of boxers get into boxing because they don't have much of a choice. But I'm enjoying every second of it. And I just love the, the training side of it, how good it is for your, your mental, for your brain, you just that routine it gives you, the buzz of walking in front of all your fans and the crowd. That's that's a huge thing. All them people trying to support you, you want to you do well for them. And there is a buzz, and I can see why them guys at the top level, like Fury and, and uh, other people, like when it all finishes and they've won their world titles and stuff, how that can affect you mentally. Because listen, I'm not doing that. I'm only walking out in front of two, three thousand people, but imagine walking out in front of ninety thousand people, and then one day it's all over on a Sunday after the fight. It's just anticlimax. It is a massive buzz that you get from it. So, yeah, that's what keeps me wanting to come back for more.
0: For a young, up and coming fighter who's new in the game you sell hundreds, if not thousands, of tickets, right? Yeah. Which is fucking incredible. And yeah. for anyone who don't really know about the pro game, that's the art of it, right? That yeah. is, that you know, obviously you've got to be a good fighter. Oh, definitely. But if, yeah. Don't matter if you're a world-class fighter. If you ain't got a big following, yeah. you, you won't make any money and it's, you won't get anywhere.
1: It's a massive bonus and it is a core part of being a, a young up-and-coming pro. If you 100%. can put bums on seats in stadiums, promoters are going to love you. And from Ali Pali, I've done 2,500 tickets. My last one, I've done 2,000. So I'm, I've got a great, great support network. And at the end of the day, people want to have entertainment. They want to be entertained as well. So, yes, it's brilliant being a fantastic boxer. There's people who have won world, to, uh, world championships at amateur, ABAs. That's brilliant. But some of them can't sell tickets or they don't have that uh, appeal to a, to an audience as well. So as you said, you need to have both. I'm still learning on the boxing side of it like a lot of people are. I've got that potential there, but a big bonus for me as well is I've got a, a lot of uh, support for myself as well. Where does all that support come from, though? I I, I really don't know. I've always had a big family. We've, we've got a lot of people that we know in Romford and Essex, but it sort of spread um, when I went to university as well. Obviously, all the people from around there, they then go and spread it to their different different towns that they come from, and it spread from that. But also, my dad as well has become a massive uh, uh, sensation as well, and I hopefully it will just keep uh, keep on growing because... It's going well so far, we want to keep that support going.
0: What well, I've noticed with you is I actually watch Old Man a lot because yeah. I think he's brilliant, right? Yeah. But you are, are extremely down to earth and yeah. likeable characters, yeah. and I think it goes a long way,
1: right? That's what we sort of, uh, when I came into boxing and the way we try and our, our whole like, uh, our whole thinking behind it is just let's just be ourselves, and if people like it, they can watch, and we'll try and be as honest as we can honest with myself, where my progression is in my boxing career. and we try and be honest and I think people like that because people, they're drawn to authenticity and that's what we're trying to be. We're not trying to mince what we say or trying to make up who we are. We're just being who we are and if people like it, they can watch. If they don't, don't watch. And with
0: the, the the early successes, right, and you've had you've had four fights now, is that right? Seven fights now. You've had seven yeah, fights yeah. now. But with you, you're you still early in your career, yeah, right, because yeah. you didn't have a massive amateur pedigree. No. How do you find the flip side of that with... You know how it is in sport. People
1: are very judgmental. Yes. Um, how do you find that side of the game? Yeah, listen. You're going to get that as a professional sportsman or anyone in the public eye. You've got to be ready for the uh, criticism as well. And it's fine. Constructive criticism. People might look at one of my fights and say, "Look, he should have used his jab more. Could have his defense was a bit leaky." That's fine. That's to be expected because we're we're in the public eye. We want telly or we're we're fighting in front of people. People are paying to watch. You've got to expect that. Um, there's some stuff that is just, like, ridiculous. Like, yeah, yeah. like I watched one of my YouTube... on One of my fights on YouTube, my debut, and they said, yeah, he looks decent, but he's not ready for Tyson Fury yet. <laughs> and I'm like, of course not. And then they also said, um, listen, Johnny Fisher, he's not that good. He'd be a British or European champion at best. And I'm like, bloody hell, if I get to be a British or European champion, that'll be unbelievable. Yeah. So there's a lot of unfounded comments as well, but you've got to take that. That's part of the job. That's part of the job description. If you're going to be boxing in front of people, they're paying their money to watch... Be ready for the criticism because you'll get a lot of praise and people will support you, but on the other hand, people are not going to like it as well and they're going to give you criticism. And how do you handle that? It doesn't affect me. It really it really doesn't. I don't give it any... Because this whole being here, being a professional boxer, it's just like a massive bonus for me. I was just, This is the dream of what I had when I was young and I'm enjoying every second of it. And I know I'm, a, I'm realistic as well. In, in a spe- especially in the modern age of social media no matter what you do if you was on if you was a contestant on Love Island if you done if you open a business and it got big or you, you made videos on TikTok or stuff people are gonna criticise you that's the nature of the world we live in now so just as long as you're happy your family your friends around you and they all support you and they tell you the truth that's all you've got to worry about
0: I like it yeah. you're you're training with Mark Tibbs right now yeah. and you have Jimmy Tibbs there right Yeah. Jimmy Tibbs is a legend in the Definitely. game Yeah, I remember Definitely. going in TKO when I was 16 yeah. and listening to him train Billy Joe Saunders and yeah. Kevin Mitchell what's it like having people like that
1: around you you have to like pinch yourself sometimes because as you said he is a, he's a legend in, in British boxing Yeah, he's been around he's been around forever he's trained some of the greats like Nigel Benn uh, Frank Bruno great boxers as you said Billy Joe more recently um, the knowledge he's got is unbelievable and there's not many people left like Jimmy Tibbs in the world like right? once that generation goes that's gone I think like mm. right? There's not many people left, so we've got a. you've got to treasure every moment you've got with him, and he's it's great to have him with Mark Tibbs as well. And uh he's got so much knowledge, and for me, a, an in, an inexperienced amateur that can be uh very valuable for me. From from what you're
0: working on uh now in the gym, what are you taking from and what are you trying
1: to add to your yeah. boxing style right now? Yeah, definitely. What- um, the one thing we're like my style is quite aggressive and I come forward and I'm ferocious and that will be, that will be a challenge for most people, just me being raw and aggressive because you come forward I can punch a bit but it's about refining that now and we've been like trying to refine that and we still are. I can box as well. I haven't really shown that uh, too much yet in my fights because I've got rid of uh, a lot of them quite early but you can't just be 100 miles an hour for the whole when you get to 8 rounds, 10 rounds, 12 rounds so it's just about Trying to pick your shots and relax a little bit more and, and and draw people on rather than trying to force the argument all the time and force them into shedding up or making a mistake. You can you can draw them in a little bit more. So that's part of the what the sparring's all about and the training and the the years and years that it takes to develop them skills. But it can be done, and that's what we're working on. What sort of things?
0: Because I always when I've watched videos of you and Mark together, yeah, I always hear Mark say. Uh, you know, he's he, he, trying to teach you to become more of a box fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves it, right? Yeah, that's that's a box what he fighter. loves.
1: Yeah, definitely. Listen, the, if you can have a tear up in boxing, that's great. And you've got to have that little bit of doggedness in you. But I have got the ability and the potential to to be a boxer at the same time. And when you need to unload or when that opening comes, I'll have that instinct to kick in. But you want to draw people in and you want to break people down, especially as they get more experience and they become a high-level fighter. You've got to break people down because not everyone's going to fold under the pressure all the time. You've got to reel them in. And it's about your feet. It's about how you position your hands, like holding your left or your right out, trying to draw people, measure your shots a little bit better. It's just little little tricks of the trade that I'm learning myself all the time and being around Mark and Jimmy, who've, who've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times, it will eventually uh, rub off on me. 100%. What's your What's your main goal in boxing? Listen, everyone goes into boxing and the dream is to be a world champion. That is the dream. Mm. At the minute, it's still a dream but you've got to set the smaller goals to get to that. So, being an area title, holding a southern area, then maybe an English, and then it becomes bigger and bigger than the British, then there's a Commonwealth, European. You've just got to set small goals. The way I look at it, like I said earlier, just one day at a time and one fight at a time. Win the next fight and then the picture becomes clearer and clearer as you go. Listen, to be a British champion would be unbelievable for me. Think about the heavyweights that have held that belt and Henry Cooper, uh, Tyson Fury, Joe Joyce, um, now currently Fabio as well. Um, some great names in mod- modern times, and going back to the '60s and '50s and, and beyond. So, that would be a unbelievable thing if I could win a British title.
0: Going out there and training with the likes of Joe Joyce uh, in in uh, Vegas and and stuff like that. It's it's their their boxing experiences that people like me growing up in boxing and. And and most young fighters yeah. would would have dreamed of doing when we was fighting. Um, how grateful are you for them experience right now? And what
1: do you what can you really take to them? Yeah, well, I think I think about the first time when I went to Vegas. It's when I was a student, and um, I've been sparring a couple of times with Joe Joyce, like three and four rounds here and there. And then the manager at the time of Joe, Sam Jones, said, "Look, come out with us to, to Vegas," and I couldn't believe it because I was like at university halfway through my degree, and I, I just went out there for three weeks. And as you said, it's things that you dream of when you're an amateur or when you're, you're not really a professional at the time. You just you just dream of moments like that. So, And the experience, even going out there for three weeks and then, I learned so much, and I've done it quite recently as well, back in the summer. Um, it developed my game so much, being around high-level operators like Joe Joyce, uh, uh, Takam was out there as well, Michael Hunter, People that that ilk who are top level heavyweights, you can just rub off so much. Just being in the same environment, not necessarily even sparring them, just seeing how they work, the people they've got around them, the different the UFC gym out there as well, the Performance Institute, being around that, uh, it really does rub off on you, and it is part of your development as a fighter to go and do them things.
0: When you fought at uh, Alexandra Alexandra Palace, yeah, and you come out to uh, you come out to country roads, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had, I had a couple of friends that was there and they said the atmosphere was fucking
1: electric, Yeah, it's right? brilliant. How did that feel walking out to that, John? That time was like... Because I, I fought one more time. The, my first two fights were behind closed doors. Then I fought at fight camp um, because of COVID. Oh. And that was like small crowds, obviously no crowd, and then a small 200, 300-person crowd. Then I fought at the O2, and there was about 1,500 of my supporters there, which was brilliant. And then there was 2,500 in like a 4,000, 5,000-person venue. And I think everyone like everyone, was saying majority of people were there for you. And I thought that was the first moment where I thought, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. I've never experienced anything like this before. So it did stiffen me up a little bit, and I, I felt the nerves a little bit. But that's to be expected as a young, young pro coming. But the atmosphere was just electric, and now I'm just learning to deal with that a little bit better. That was my fifth one, and I've had two more since then. And I'm just getting used to that. Now it doesn't feel like such a big thing. Walking out in front of a big crowd because I've done it three or four times now. I'm getting used to it every time. But when I look back at the videos and like, it's just it's surreal. When you're in the moment, you don't. It's a blur. Like walking into the ring and you get in the ring and you're like, right, that's all I've got to do. But I'll look back on this in years to come and think, even if I don't make anything from the box from the boxing, the more than I have, what an unbelievable experience that was.
0: And you had a you broke your hand in that fight. Is that yeah. right?
1: Well, it was broken. In, in the lead-up to that fight as well. And even, they said, probably from the fight before, but it was like a, a gradual injury, a stress fracture that I'd be making worse and worse. And then on that week of the fight, I rested it completely and thought, oh, it'll be all right. I kept putting it off in the camp. It'll be all right, it'll be all right. And then I started hitting the pads warming up on the in the changing room. And I felt a massive crunch about five minutes before I went out. And then if you looked, at, I looked on the uh, MRI scan after, when, I, when I'd done a scan the week after, and you could see like another big, huge crack going down my metacarpal bone. And I just, but when you're five minutes out from going on into the ring, what can you say? You can't go out and say, to my trap. Oh, my 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 hands ruined. What can I do?" I thought the adrenaline would take over, and it did for the first round or so, and then I just crunched it again and again, and it was like just one of them things. I got cut in the first 30 seconds as well, and it just became one of them fights where I think, "Right, I've just got to grit it out. I've got to do what I've got to do," and. When it comes down to it, that's probably the best fight I've had for my experience because I fought a, uh, a durable guy. Very awkward. Um, he went a distance with Oscar Rivas as well, who's the World rate Champion. So yeah, he was awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back on fire. that. Looking back on that yeah, fight, yeah. Um, it's probably one of the best things that's happened to me because yeah, it's brilliant to knock people out in one round and two rounds, but. You need little fights like that every now and then that develop you. And when you get to... When you're 15 fights in, 20 fights in and you're in that mix, you've had little bits of experience where you've been in a bit of hardship before. Listen, I was still winning the rounds comfortably, but I still had something to think about in that fight and it'll stand me in good stead when I get to them championship fights. When you are in training camp, John... Well, how many times are you training today? You train two or three times a day? Yeah, uh, normally twice a day. Like I'll do a little bit of training tonight. I'll do some swimming. It won't be like two hard sessions back-to-back every day. Like I'll do a bit of boxing in the morning, and then I'll do like a swimming or a sprint session or a running session in the evening, depending on how hard I've trained in the morning. And then I've got my strength and conditioning built in as well. So it is full on. This year, it's your whole life. So you've got to live the life. You can't... I don't drink. I don't go out partying. Um apart from what after the fights when I go and have a nice Chinese with yeah. my dad or go and do these nightclub appearances and stuff. But when you're in camp, I don't want to go out. I just want to do boxing stuff. It's business time, so it's good. I enjoy every second of it, and I enjoy the training, so it doesn't feel like a chore, like, oh, I've got to go up and do this. I enjoy every second of it. Do you ever get glimpses of it throughout your training camp where
0: you think, fuck, I've got to go fucking training tonight and I'm ruined?
1: Yeah, you do, you do think, like, when you wake up, like, even today, I thought, oh, I'm feeling it a bit today, like, it's Thursday. We've done a lot of sessions already, but... You just everyone gets that. People get that when they go to work. They think, Oh, don't wanna don't wanna get up today, it's early. Like you can't feel sorry for yourself because everyone's working hard, everyone's gotta do it. And if you don't, then you you just you're a loser because you're just giving in to your the easy part of life, which is just get back in bed and don't do it. And that will pay off. If you don't put the work in now, I always think when I get to my fight, whenever that is, that's all gonna it's all gonna it's karma. You'll get it'll come out to you in the ring. So you've got no excuses like anyone else. What motivates you to have that mentality? Uh, a big motivator for me is I want to I be successful for my family. I want to improve their situation. Not that we've got... Listen, we've just been at a normal upbringing. Uh, we've got a good family and I want to repay my mum and dad. I want to uh, go and treat them well and, and support them and all the people that support me as well, like my friends and my close family. You want to you do people proud. That's a big motivator for me. Like, I don't want to let people down. And I've got an opportunity here. And why would I not try my best at it? Because it'd be a waste otherwise.
0: Your old man's a big uh, is a big part yeah. in your life, right? Yeah. And in your career, and you like you said, you're you very similar characters. You You yeah. see it, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, how, how
1: important is that to you having that relationship with your old man like that? Oh, definitely, it's it's, it's massive, especially in a sport like boxing. Um, we've all heard the stories of what what can happen to boxers and how they can be taken advantage of, and there's one person in your life. Who's gonna have your best interests at heart? It's your dad, and me and my dad, we uh, we get on, we get on like a house on fire. Really, like we, we're mates. So there's no, he's got your best interests at heart. So you know when you're going into to a fight or you want to do this or you you've got a bit of advice you need to ask about sparring or what what training I should do. Always relate back to him because he knows what's best for me and he wants what's best for me. Listen, it's important to have your trainers, your managers. They've got their, your interests at heart as well, but no one's going to tell you the truth or tell you what's right and what's wrong like your dad. He'll tell me what I'm doing well but he'll also tell me if I'm doing something wrong or he doesn't agree with it, and I think that's really important. I
0: like, yeah, I like yeah. it. I like think,
1: it. I think it is important.
0: Yeah. I, I watch us as well and I think, I think, you know, obviously you're selling tickets and that's the yeah. art of the boxing game. Like in here, yeah. our job is to get clients in, in classes, yeah. right? When I watch us, I think one of the biggest things that I think people find hard is being authentic, being yourself, right? Yeah. And when I watch you to come out to country roads, yeah. and I, when I watch you and your old man, and you talk about the Chinese, yeah. and user, you can tell you're completely yourself, right? Yeah. yeah, do you use that like a plan, a
1: strategy, and a way that you go about putting that because it's a brand. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? It didn't. It never started like. Uh, like we just like as I, I said to you uh, before we started, my brother Henry just started filming my dad. Eating Chinese or doing his stuff, and people sort of like started taking notice of him, and he was getting asked for photos before he even knew he was on social media doing these things, sort of sort of thing. So it's crazy how it's worked out, but yeah, it's not that like we're trying to, we're not, we never stage anything, but we just we're just trying to uh, broadcast it a bit more to people now because people people want to see it. So if people want to see it, we'll keep we'll keep putting it out there, and we'll keep being ourselves with it but things are getting a bit bigger now and my dad's enjoying it. He's sort of like rocketed now. He was on like the same sort of followers as me on Instagram. There was a race to 100,000 and now he's nearly at 200,000 and I'm still around 100,000. So he's just, we're just enjoying every minute of it. If people like watching it, we'll keep putting it out to them, but we're not going to change who we are because that's why people watched in the first place. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, Last couple of questions, John, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Um, if you could train with one person, dead or
1: alive, who would it be? I'd love to train with Rocky Marciano. Oh, I've been watching like a lot it. of stuff of him. Like the way he trained was very unorthodox as well. Was like he's got a heavy bag and he'd swing underneath the bottom of the heavy bag and you can see it in his fights, he'd get so low down. And he were not listen, I'm not a small heavyweight, I'm like a medium-sized heavyweight, but he was a very small heavyweight and he had a short wingspan, as short as well-weight, so we saying, and he was just ferocious. And I've got that bit of fer- ferocity in me. And like to train with someone like him, you could just learn so much off of him. Amazing, yeah.
0: Um, John, thanks for coming down, mate. No worries. Babe. I absolutely loved that. Oh, I hope good. you enjoyed that podcast. Um, that's young Johnny Fisher. He's the, he's a top fighter. He's going to go a long way in the British boxing game. Um, um, John, wish you all the best, mate. I appreciate
1: it, George. Thanks for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, mate. Cheers, mate.